During communion this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, I want to make sure that you can follow along with us. So please raise your hand. The men will give you a Bible so you can have a copy of God's Word in your lap. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. So we have a portion of our service each week designed by Jesus himself where we get to use a piece of bread and a cup as a visual, a tactile reminder of Jesus. We all together focus our attention on one person. There's much that's clamoring for your attention as you come in. Your thoughts may be scattered, even on good things. But right now, this time is designed for us all to focus the gaze of our hearts on Jesus. So make sure that's what you're aiming at in the next few minutes. Christmas for the Christian should be something similar. It should be a time where we break from the normal patterns. And that gives us a chance to remember and celebrate Jesus more fully. To think rightly on who he is. To have the normal daily, weekly monthly patterns of life interrupted so that we can say this is about Jesus. But if we aren't careful, Christmas, all the lights, gifts, emotions, stress, everything can become a distraction, keeping us from Jesus rather than pointing us to him. And on top of that, we have the threat of familiarity. How many times have you heard the Christmas story? You can become numb to this most amazing story of God and his love for us. The true story of the miraculous birth of our divine rescuer. And that same familiarity and distraction can threaten our time here this morning. So just take a second to commit, to to fight, to engage your mind and your heart in the next few minutes. To remember Jesus Remember the miraculous birth of our divine rescuer together. So open up your Bibles to Matthew 1, verse 18. In a moment, we're going to read 18 through 25 together. And these eight verses give us the Christmas story from Joseph's perspective. Joseph was obviously surprised and troubled when he discovered that the young woman... Mary, he was engaged to, was pregnant. Matthew 1.18 goes like this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And when Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, And not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So these three verses reveal that Joseph, reveal to Joseph and for us that this is no ordinary baby. Right, Mary is still a virgin, and yet she was pregnant because the child in her was from the Holy Spirit. 
So Joseph might be thinking, and the reader, we should be thinking, if you read this with eyes for the first time, like you're reading it for the first time, what is God up to here? Why? Why would he do this? No other baby had ever been born like this. No child had been conceived in this manner or ever would be again. Who then is this baby? The angel goes on, Matthew goes on to answer that question in the next two verses by giving us two names for this miraculously conceived child. And these two names, it's maybe a good shorthand for you to remember what Christmas is all about. Maybe when you're talking to somebody at work, well, let me show you who God, through an angel, said Jesus is. Who is this baby that we stop everything for and put up lights for and sing all these songs for at this time of year. Matthew gave us two names that the baby would be known by. And look for those two names as I read. She will bear a son, in verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive... And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So the angel of the Lord instructed Joseph to name the baby Jesus, and then he gave the reason It was because he would save his people from their sins. Jesus is just the Hebrew, it's a form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh will save. And at Christmas and at communion, as we think about Jesus' birth, we must never separate Jesus from the mission that he came to accomplish that's summarized in his name, Jesus, Yahweh, Yahweh will save or Yahweh saves. And unlike the way that Yahweh would save from physical enemies or threats through the previous Joshua, right, a temporal salvation from a physical threat, um, Moses' successor, or sorry, Jesus would save his people from our biggest and eternal threat, our own sin. This Savior would be different than others as well because Yahweh God wasn't just saving through a person, No, this person was Yahweh God being born in the flesh. And that's what he says in the next verse. The angel told Joseph to call his name Jesus and then told him that Jesus would be the one Isaiah said would be called Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. In two names we see summarized as succinctly as possible who Jesus is and what he came to do. Jesus is God himself who was born to save his people from our sins. And at Jesus' birth, the two most important realities to know were on display in the names Jesus and Emmanuel. It was a miraculous birth of God himself to save us from our sins. And at the end of Jesus' life, nothing changed in his person or his mission Jesus sat down on his last night with his disciples and he gave them two symbols to help them remember him rightly. 
bread, a physical reminder of Jesus' physical body, we can remember that Yahweh, God, Emmanuel, came to be with us and had a body that he gave for us when he died on the cross. And we have juice reminding us of Jesus' blood that he freely gave in our place. Our sins were so great an offense to holy God that only God could satisfy the just penalty. If you listen to one thing, listen to this. God's righteousness demands that he simply cannot ignore sin, which deserves death. So he died the death we deserve. Then he washed us in Jesus' blood, taking our sins from us and giving us Jesus' righteousness. From the beginning, Jesus was God with us, Emmanuel, on a mission to save us from our sins by dying on the cross. And that God would need to be born a man says so much about God's love and a lot about our need. If there was any other way that we could be saved than this divine rescue mission, God would not have had to die, right? If there was any other way We could imagine that this miracle at Christmas wouldn't have had to happen. That God would do this, the most extreme act of selflessness and humility imaginable, says more about his love and grace than an eternity of words could ever express. Try to conceive of a greater act of selflessness and humility than was on display when Jesus was born a man, grew up and died on the cross. You won't be able to. There's no other way to be saved. We all need to be saved from our sins. It doesn't matter if you believe this or not. This is objective truth that is outside of us. Right? Your belief doesn't make this true. But your belief in this applies Jesus' forgiveness to you, the righteousness available to you. If you don't believe this, this is still true. And the reality that you are a sinner separated from God remains but believe there's no other way to be made right with God every religion either says your sins aren't that big of a deal or do these things and you'll be fine they're all false there was only one way to get us to God and that was God becoming man to save us from our sins so believe even if this is the first time you've believed Believe and take the bread and juice with us, but if you won't, let it pass by. Men, come and serve us. And remember Jesus and his divine rescue mission on your own as you take communion on your own. I'll come up and close us in prayer.